Yeehaw! We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister Ashley and best friend Derek, and we just got back from July 27th, 1984. The past. Ashley, why were we there? Well, each week we travel back in time to the best year ever, mm, kind of, to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe touch the Olympic torch for some reason. But anyway, <laughs> before we get into that, here's a clip. Prince in his first motion picture. <laughs> There's your tagline. Yep. Before he created the music, oh. he lived every bit of it. The other tagline. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yep. <laughs> he risked too much for the one thing that meant everything. Mm. Okay. Music? His music. Oh, his music. Yeah, his music. Prince. <laughs> the story. Period. <laughs> the struggle. Oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> the movie. Purple Rain. So that was a trailer for Purple Rain, rated R. It's Prince in his first motion picture. So I mean, that. that sells the movie right right on its face, I guess. That's all you yeah. need to do. But <laughs> put Prince on a motorcycle on the poster. I'm jumping ahead, but <laughs> that's basically the poster description. I mean, it's it's a cool, uh, cool looking shot. He's um, neoned out in purples and and uh, stroby brights on his what kind of motorcycle was it it was a vintage oh i knew this at one point it was like specially made just for him i don't was remember he a, was he a motorcycle enthusiast because it was sort of key to his character in the movie i'm gonna say yes I yeah <laughs> i mean it wasn't like well at once at one point they were showing a scene of him like driving uh, down this road that was covered in, in leaves, um, beautiful fall scenery. And they hadn't shown like the person on the bike. It was sort of a GoPro style heads up shot of the road. And I wanted, you know, the movie to confirm that it was Prince on the bike. It is. Yeah. I just looked it up. Um, but yeah, he, it's his bike was called the Honda Matic. It was like, <laughs> custom for him. So interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Derek, did you have any um, more insight into his motorcycle? It was a two-speed automatic, so he didn't need to exercise his finger-fretting hand. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing is too delicate or perfect for uh, our crowned prince here. So um, that's the tagline. That's the poster. We should mention, um, since we alluded to it a second ago, that this movie was premiering in um, Los Angeles in 1984. So what better place to go see the premiere than the uh, Chinese theater on Hollywood Boulevard? But while we were there, um, Derek got into a little trouble. Uh, <laughs> we went to the Olympic torch relay as they were finishing up the final stage. Um, in the host city of Los Angeles. You couldn't help yourself, could you, Derek? I just love fire too much. <laughs> you got it pretty good. I thought you were just going to like touch it, but you really went for it. So kind of aggressive with the torch, but that's okay. Yeah, he got tackled. He got restrained for a <laughs> while. Um, but luckily, the scooter was nearby for a um, 
efficient getaway. Get yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get into this interesting movie. Ashley, uh, can okay. you sum it up for us in 15 seconds? Sure. Ready? Go. Okay. So the kid, played by Prince, is a struggling musician with a violent and misogynistic father, which he begins to emulate with his new love interest. He battles mm. another band called The Time for a main slot at a music venue. Um, he goes through a lot throughout the movie. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Um, after the rain, uh, he goes a lot through the movie, which kind of maybe makes him become a better person. I don't know. Mm. I think it's his big break by using the song "Purple Rain" that the girls in his band, The Revolution, actually wrote, and he didn't even write it. Yeah, but that is a plot detail. It's not like I mean, he is does a lot of horrible things. The yeah. the, the kid character in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it is part, and he's ignoring the, his bandmates' request throughout the the, the whole film to yep. just listen to his his song and consider potentially, you know, collaborating or using um, music that someone else wrote, and just flatly like refuses over and over again. Yeah. So it's not like um, it is part of the movie plot that his big personal growth is tied to him finally um, using someone else's. <laughs> music to mm-hmm. collaborate with but we're i'm sure we're going to get into whether or not that's enough to redeem some of yeah. the more um mm. the despicable qualities that his character had uh-huh. <laughs> um, so ashley had you seen this movie what was your backstory with purple rain or prince or just movies that are in a similar musical vein Sure. No background of Prince, really. I mean, I know a few of his songs. Did not watch the movie or ever. I ever. I didn't even know it was a movie. Hmm. So going I mean, you knew this, it was, I was the like, name. Oh. You knew the name Purple Rain because it's from the name his of the song. album. As yeah, well. from yeah. yeah. But I never knew it to be a movie. Um, and then watching it, I just we'll get into that a little bit later. But I really wish it was more like the Labyrinth of David Bowie because that was a lot of David Bowie songs, and it was him singing the whole time. But it was like beautifully done. It was like, creative and fun. This one's a little Much different. more whimsical. Yeah, this one's <laughs> a little different. This is like a straight uh, melodrama mixed with some not like really uh, imaginative. I mean, the music sequences are definitely the highlights, but they're mm-hmm. also pretty minimal. I mean, he's got great stage production and, and lighting and, and stuff. And his just kind of on stage persona is compelling but it's not like they didn't add a lot of um, uh, like visual flourish to right. the performance, the stage performances, and they added zero real intrigue or flourish to the offstage stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that's kind of similar to my backstory. Uh, not a Prince hater by any means, just a, mm-hmm. a uh, sadly ignorant to any of his deeper work beyond beyond the the huge hits i mean when doves cry is like it would be <laughs> weird if someone hadn't heard that song a million times mm-hmm. um and known prince also created this like mystique around him as a as a person and performer and you know the whole dropping of his name and going by a symbol and then mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't that long ago that he played like a Super Bowl halftime show right yeah yeah so I mean anyway I Prince <laughs> as a cultural figure very aware Prince as a as you know his entire body of music minimal um, 
I was really hoping this movie would be something like Pink Floyd's sort of concept story album, The Wall, which mm-hmm. then they turned into a visual um, piece that would accompany that and people would go to their shows and they would either play the visuals behind it or people would just watch the movie as a standalone piece of entertainment. It's basically a series of music videos that accompany um, the album that's written in story form. This movie was <laughs> not a story. It wasn't a story album, Purple Rain. No, not like, at all. There were moments in the movie where the music sort of applied to the situation, um, like my favorite song that, that we'll get to in a, in a minute. Um, but it wasn't written about the character in the movie. They just kind of juxtaposed it with the character in the movie. So anyway, that was disappointing, um, just that it was very straightforward, like bad melodrama mixed with cool performances but if you've ever seen yeah. a live music uh prince performance or a video then you've seen uh better scenes than are in this movie so anyway um maybe derek uh is the biggest prince fan among us so what was your backstory with prince derek so i have a backstory with prince not so much with this movie this is the yeah. first time that i watched it mostly <laughs> yeah. yeah uh <laughs> I actually, yeah, I left the theater and uh, just decided to listen to the Purple Rain album on my scooter while riding around LA. So, solid choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, the first time that I heard Prince's music was on MTV while I was in high school. I'd watched this video called Black Sweat before I went to school each day for a while. And <laughs> ever since then, I've pretty much liked his music. So, let's hear a little bit because this song I was also I don't think not familiar with. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. I'm hot, and I care who knows it. <laughs> oh, okay. I got a job to do. Thank you. Yes. I'm working. Waking up a black sweat. I'm I like this. It's a black and white music video, and there's just sexy women dancing around Prince. It's pretty rad. Kind of reminds yeah. me of a little, like, MJ action. Well, this and Thriller were... Um, out at the same roughly the same time like so they were i was thinking of that during the movie before i kind of looked at the at the timeline but yeah anyway derek that song like showcases his vocal uh experimental range (laughs) he's like doing a lot with with his vocal work there Mm -hmm. and then it is hard to separate him just i was listening to a lot of his music um this week in the last couple days just to kind of try and see if it if it uh stirred anything up that i had forgotten and honestly like some of the songs are really good on their own i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure that's an understatement to some people but it is hard to separate his um visual performance his his persona on stage and music videos from uh just the the musical elements themselves so um this movie should have been the perfect vehicle to showcase both sides of that but let's find (laughs) out um if this is a movie that drew more of our love or hate ashley what's one thing you loved or hated about this okay (laughs) so i hated that the ladies are treated like shit by all the men throughout the entire movie i mean that's a strong statement 
Well, they were. I'm just kidding. It's, let's see. It's, that's the only way to put it. Yeah. Let's let's start with <laughs> so members yeah. in the so members in the time like the main rival rival band that had like the main slot going into the movie. Um, they were just bad guys from the start. And this one girl was like, oh, you never came back for me and you're supposed to meet up with me. And he ha- gets his like lackey to like pick her up and throw her in her dumpster. So that's how like, yep. the movie starts essentially. So you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. Like, screw him. He's terrible. And then it goes to like Prince's or the kid's dad beating his wife. Yep. And then you're like, well, he sucks too. And then you're like, well, Prince will be like the redeeming character. And then he beats on his wife or beats on his girlfriend. So like, it's Before just he um, beats on her, um, there was... There was a little hint of how, well, maybe not. The first scene with um, Apollo, Apollonia. 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 I knew mm-hmm. I was going to screw Don't it up. Get it. <laughs> the first scene with Apollonia, um, she's trying to get into the club. And anyway, she gets in past the bouncer dude and sort of flirts with Prince a little bit or makes, you know, eye contact with him. But the first signal that he's going to be a, a terrible dude is that he takes her on the motorcycle ride that I was describing earlier yeah. and off to this remote uh, river under a bridge, very romantic, and then uh, asks her to become initiated by um, getting in the water. Taking her and, clothes off. And getting yeah, no, I know. Trope alert. The trope that we're describing here is called Miss Fan Service, where um, there's a female character whose her clothing is there to accentuate her figure, her wardrobe are bikinis and swimsuits, fishnets, dangerously short skirts. In this case, it's an all leather ensemble Mm -hmm. that is not going to be easy to put back on once she strips down and gets in the water and then Prince, if, as if that's not enough um, embarrassment, he tells her, actually, that wasn't the right body of water that you were supposed to get in to get initiated not and drives like off on his motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, and from that scene, she gets hypothermia in real life. Oh, and good. Yeah. Real she life. went in, like, in November for like four, she tried like four or five times, like beginning of November. And she like lost consciousness and like, got hypothermia. So it was, it was the, um, ultimate example of that trope because i was completely blindsided by the nudity i mean this is definitely after that scene um our one of our few r-rated movies that that we've watched but Mm -hmm. up until then i hadn't i didn't realize that and so it was just completely out of unnecessary to the the plot and clearly just there as a as a uh, for titillation so so yeah, uh, sorry to hijack your your examples, but anyway, that was that contributed to it, and then mm-hmm. everything else you described. I mean, his the arc is supposed to be that his father's, uh, you know, that the sins of the father are inform how their kids act, but it is just like d- d- describe like how their relationship has relationship with uh, Apollonia uh, evolves uh, over the course okay. of the movie. So they meet at the club. They, he does that stupid motorcycle thing, but she's still enamored by his performance, I believe. So, and she's like an up and rising star. Um, so they start hanging out. They have this really awkward kind of sex scene. It makes I just uh, watching it. It's terrible. Um, but then they get in an argument. I don't remember the first argument was about. Do you remember? 
Oh, she said she was gonna she was gonna join up with the time. Yeah. And then he smacks her in the face really yep. hard. So that's great. That was then, after she had pawned her valuable like bracelet or something mm-hmm. that he had accused her of getting from. He was constantly jealous. Yeah. Um, and he had accused her. He was like, where'd you get that? Oh, we can't go to your place. You got a man there. She pawns that and buys the the sweet white ivory guitar that he was like pining mm-hmm. after in the window of a store, brings it to him. And then he immediately uh, repays her by by smacking her, really hard. her down. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's not the first time he hits her throughout the movie. So, yeah, the last you mean? Yeah, that's not, sorry, that's not the last time he hits yeah. her. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to find him, trying to figure out if he could be redeemable or not, but I'm just. Well, I thought there. the first time that he hit her, that was kind of like a no, yeah, a, a no turning back point, and then he. Basically, the the problem with the movie from a male perspective is that it reinforces it. I mean, she's just a terribly written character. Like, yeah. so you can't blame the character in the movie for a, a, a dude's poor writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't Prince that wrote the movie, by the way, um, right. uh, if anyone was assuming that. But <laughs> he must have had some sort of creative uh, He did control. help rewrite a couple parts, but I don't know which ones. Oh, no. Hopefully. Yeah. But like then, so then he takes her on another motorcycle ride after she's having a fight with the horrible manager that she's also drunkenly entangled with mm-hmm. um the guy who had the other woman thrown into a, a dumpster dumpster yeah and then he yeah then he takes her out to another remote bridge and and like starts to he throws her down and then starts to like hit her more and, and well he you forces know. himself on her like tries to kiss her first yeah and then she's like wait no, no no like this isn't what i want and he smacks her in the face then throws her by the face down onto the ground well, but the thing is, like, the movie could have portrayed that as um, uh, horrible behavior. And it, yeah. it's not supposed to be, like, he's a good guy in the moment. But the difference between how it portrays his dad, who's just clearly a kind of an abusive mm-hmm. um, figure the whole time, and it, the movie has no uh, interest in redeeming. Um, maybe there's one scene where they add a little, like, layer of backstory to his father's character. Um, who was a, a musician but mm-hmm. uh, gave it up and anyway it's just like the movie because prince the prince character is the hero of the movie and there's really no repercussions for any of his actions it reinforces his behavior or at best just doesn't condemn it yeah. <laughs> i mean so if you're if you're talented enough genius enough and man and male enough you can do whatever you want <laughs> yeah uh which brings to me to the thing i loved about the movie oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, the contrast between the charisma that he showed on stage during his performances obviously you know it's no surprise to anyone that he's a great uh stage performer and they mm-hmm. were able to capture that in the movie so that was cool um was only magnified by how much, how little charisma he had when he wasn't <laughs> on stage. Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect him to be a good actor, but he just wasn't compelling. Like the 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 people, nobody should have been. He was actually sort of the kid character in the movie was not a not a star. He was at the stage where he was about to get removed from the club that was employing him, 
and uh, and so he wasn't having success, but the fact that you know ladies were were drawn to him and things like that was just like not believable aside from when he was performing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that I thought all, how bad he was off stage highlighted how good he was on stage. A little bit of a backhanded compliment, but I was I was reaching for for a positive. Is there a pun um, intended in that backhand? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was a backhanded. Um, uh, uh assault so yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice there was also one song um that i didn't know that i was pleasantly uh surprised from during the movie it's a risque song it might be problematic in its own rights um the lyrics are on their face uh sexualized mm-hmm. it was um it raised complaints from tipper gore in the in the um parents music resource center and that's part of the reason we got those uh explicit lyrics symbols on uh album covers so all that said let's let's hear it (laughs) (laughs) i knew a girl named nikki i guess you could say she was a sex fiend i met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with magazine yeah no problem so far to waste some time and i Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's like his movie character. Yeah, and that song plays at a crucial moment where um Apollonia is watching him perform and he's basically performing that song to make her upset and jealous. Mm-hmm. So after assaulting her, he also makes her cry and run out of the club. Yeah, he's, uh, just, he's great. Yeah. Stand Was up. there any I mean, but I hadn't heard that. I, I mean, the lyrics are um, exploitative and, and sexualized, um, but without the context of like making it framed as a good thing, like the movie did. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe that song isn't isn't you know you can you can write music about um, bad behavior if you're not glorifying it. So right. I don't know where the song falls on that spectrum, but I it is catchy. Yeah, it is catchy. Well, that and his actual album, he only says like the word hell like once. He doesn't actually like, curse or anything, but just like the content. But he's no. a man of faith, I believe. He is. He's a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, extreme faith. Yeah. Was a man of faith. <laughs> yeah. So were there any musical moments? Because um, we're not going to go through each performance in the movie yeah. uh, on this on this episode. So were there was there a musical moment for you that stood out? I really liked the time whenever they performed. Yeah. Um, they were great. The song in the movie, right? Yeah, it was incredible. I was like, I'm so excited for this movie. It's going to be so good. And all the poor performances are great. Yeah, it really set up the movie well in the beginning. That's actually what our friend Oliver said, is that um, the time steals the show. I mean, unfortunately, the the time, the lead performer of that is the the guy who called Morris, who's like a an agent. And he... Um, uh is well we've already we've already discussed that he's also a, a horrible character i mean he's more one-dimensionally uh shallow than mm-hmm. prince and and but we actually don't you know he doesn't get as quite as much screen time so he's sort of just a one-note villain whereas prince is a complicated hero <laughs> well and he dresses like a pimp yep so that's interesting and like all the girls are like prostitutes to him or how, like he treats them very poorly so yeah i mean it's He's so evil that it's comical. He has that uh, courtship, romantic dinner with uh, mm-hmm. with 
Ap- Apollonia. I have to pause every time before <laughs> I say it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like detailing how it's sort of like that scene in Spring Breakers where oh, James no. Franco is like, check out my shit, check out my cargo <laughs> pants, my guns, my I'm cash. I'm so cool. Yeah. yeah. He's like basically saying, I'm in a, he's like, I got an Italian chef. I can't pronounce his name. I have a waterbed. <laughs> yeah. I have a brass encased like waterbed. Um, <laughs> So, but that's like, that's when I can forgive the movie for being uh, just a, a melodrama soap opera intentional. Mm-hmm. Where it, when it comes to Prince, it's not easy, as easy to forgive because it does, the whole movie is a showpiece for him. And if you're going to use that showcase to, you're going to explain the behind the scenes of his musical genius as treating every, you know, being a horrible collaborator and an abusive uh, partner. Mm-hmm. that's sort of a downer yeah sort of um all right well um let's see if we can find some redeemable characters and in our next segment choose your character <laughs> this is where we um <laughs> walk into a mall 1984 and walk up to the Purple Rain arcade console, and this is a performance style game. It's like Guitar Hero meets uh, DDR. So you know you're gonna have to be choosing a character that you would be embodying for this performance game. Um, Ashley, any anywhere you want to start? Well, there's a lot of characters I won't pick, um, but <laughs> I'm actually tra- picking two because they go together. Okay, I think I know so, where you're going. I mean, I hope so. Um, so, Wendy and Lisa, they're like the backup guitarists and keyboardists for um, Prince's band, The Revolution. Um, and they actually, in real life, ended up dating for 20 years. Cool. Oh, each other. They did have um, yeah. lesbian vibes. Yep. Yep. That's because they're lesbians. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to choose them. And they also came up with a Prince's hit song in the movie, Purple Rain. So, they should probably yeah, in, win. In reality, um, Prince. <laughs> To confirm the myth and, and his genius, I guess he was sort of generous in this movie um, by saying that someone else wrote the song. But in fact, he wrote everything. This was the first album that he had written all of his songs for um, and done all the all the music. I mean, he collaborated with his bandmates and mm-hmm. he sent um, Purple Rain to Stevie Nicks. He sent her like a 10 minute instrumental. Is that a piece mm-hmm. of your trivia? It's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> um but anyway, all that said, it's cool that uh, that they are like celebrated in this movie is the big like the big reason that he actually achieves success mm-hmm. is because other people um, <laughs> write the, <laughs> write the music. So, so that's my that choice. A, yeah, that's a gr- that's a great choice. Um, I'm going with Brenda, who doesn't do much in the movie she's like the blonde the uh, waitress. hostess yeah waitress um in real life i think she was like part of the the touring band um the apollonia six which was mm-hmm. maybe this is more of your trivia but you know they the her band which is terribly represented in the movie go figure in a in a, a super fan servicey moment Mm-hmm. Um, where they strip off their trench coats and reveal their lingerie um, and sing like, what's that song called? Sex something? Sex I don't know. Scene? It was pretty bad. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, it's just about sex and, and gyration from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, 
unlike darling Nikki, which is very nuanced. So <laughs> I just thought Brenda looked cool. She doesn't do anything bad. <laughs> so she doesn't. Yeah. She's one of the better characters by default. Um, she and she, if I'm picking a character for to embody for this, you know, arcade style performance, then she's the logical choice for me. <laughs> um, Derek, are you going with beautiful babe or someone else? You know, I'm actually going with uh, Morris. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, of uh, the time, this proves <laughs> you didn't see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a really good artist. So it's interesting. Uh, the only reason I'm picking him is because I was just looking up his uh, IMDb. He's apparently part of Rich, like a Richard Pryor movie and an Andrew Dice Clay film. Hmm. And then also he was in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So and him and Prince went to like high school together. They grew up together. Yeah. Well, we should point out that all the characters are credited basically with, aside from the kid, um, are credited with their actual name or their characters are named after themselves because they're basically all playing versions of themselves right yeah none of them that's unfair i don't want to be like no i mean well no because they were all none of them were like had acting classes or dance like they're all musicians going into it so yeah i guess i I, my point is maybe morris is off i i we can't really speak informed informedly to prince and morris's like um real life offstage behavior mm, yeah so but yeah there he he was really a musician really a member of the time the lead mm-hmm. singer and a great musician at that so yep it really sets the tone for the movie um i thought it was interesting that uh that scene i was talking about earlier with prince's dad mm-hmm. um where his dad he kind of like catches his dad playing piano um even though he doesn't play music anymore was one of the only uh emotionally nuanced uh moments in the in the movie did what did you think of that scene actually i actually thought it was pretty well i think it's hard because the rest of the movie and the dialogue is pretty bad yeah so when you get to that scene you're like oh like there's like a, a glimmer of hope yep just like in this one like couple minutes or minute scene but yeah his dad i mean his dad is is verbally um tearing him down the whole time he's saying like prince is taking interest and in, and in so clearly admires and and picked up music for, because of his dad um and his dad is playing a, a beautiful song on the piano and prince asks is it yours and he's like yeah whose else would it be <laughs> and prince was like well do you ever have to write stuff down and he's like no who would who would who would have to write write music down yeah you idiot well (laughs) let me clarify by glimmer of hope i don't mean like for prince and like his career in this movie or for the kid i meant like in the movie as acting exactly no (laughs) i got what you meant it's what i was saying earlier where like if you the contrast between the acting in this scene and the rest of the scenes highlights Mm -hmm. how bad (laughs) the rest of the acting and performances are Mm -hmm. um but his dad caps it off by saying you know no this is i think an agent says to to prince mm-hmm. that um your music makes sense to no one but yourself mm-hmm. um which was also a poignant like f you to prince trying to do everything for himself by himself and failing he's failing the entire movie yeah which is 
not greatly portrayed on screen because it seems like he's giving awesome performances, but for some reason people don't no like one's him. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't, it's not clear that no one's into it. I mean, it's clear from a couple cutaways that maybe they aren't. Into- but he still has a huge crowd and he's yeah. like a act essentially. And you don't realize like, Oh, he's not doing well until the very end. And you're like, Oh, he's playing purple rain. They're just like, going crazy. But I didn't notice he was like that poor of a musician in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think they they really <laughs> uh, captured that very well. No. Um, let's go back to '84 and see what we missed. Dig if you will the picture. So that was the number one song on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of July 28th, 1984 by none other than Prince. Um, <laughs> convenient. So Ashley, you were saying when when did this song come out? Well, I was just saying it came out three days before the movie came out. Yeah, the single was released three days before. I don't know if some of my research here is is not checking out because was it already the number one song after the album had been out for a whole month it came out um july june 25th um so by the time this movie was coming out people were really hyped for for the soundtrack and so i'm sure that contributed to some of its success um in other news around town we mentioned Derek's um, inappropriate behavior at the relay. The <laughs> Olympics are starting uh, tomorrow. So Woo. we'll be um, providing all sorts of behind the scenes coverage of the Summer <laughs> Olympics in LA. Your first little tidbit is that this year's official mascot is Sam, the Olympic Eagle. Is he a bald eagle? <laughs> no. He's got a tuft of hair. No, oh, he might okay. be bald. I don't know. <laughs> Did you know that there were Olympic mascots? Sure didn't. Okay, Is there? An, yeah, there's an Olympic mascot every for everyone. Yeah. Good question. Um, <laughs> we'll find out next week. Okay. <laughs> so let's do the weekend box office report. This is a first in a while. So the number one movie of July twenty seventh. 1984 is Purple Rain. The, we saw the, yeah, the number one movie. It unseated Ghostbusters, which um, narrowly yeah. um, by a couple couple thousand dollars. So a couple hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, we are um, in touch with the public zeitgeist this weekend by seeing that. Ghostbusters and Gremlins are still hanging strong. Um, love to see that. And one thing that still happens a little bit today but i think it was a bigger thing um in the 80s was that they would re-release movies wide into more theaters than purple rain uh was playing the jungle book from the the i don't know when the original jungle book came out but this was a re-release and mm-hmm. it was actually the number three movie um oh, okay. this weekend so yeah karate kid and never-ending story rounding out the top six Nice. It's kind of like, do you remember seeing Snow White at the zoo? Yes. So that was a re-release. I'm sure it was just like at random zoos or something. It was kind of weird, but I know they've I know they've done it in the last several years when like, you know, a new movie is coming out, a sequel or something, they'll play the older one and then randomly. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it could be like 
one of the number you know the top three movies of the weekend seems like a, a pretty unusual thing mm-hmm. um uh, as I mentioned, this movie debuted with seven million. Um, no, this movie was budgeted at seven million. It also um, made seven million in its opening weekend, <laughs> so immediately made back its budget, um, and then went on to make seventy million, which is approximately Damn. ten times its budget. Oh, oh that's yeah. math! <laughs> Quick math, yeah. Big hit. Uh, Ashley, it was a commercial hit, but. Was it a critical hit? Mixed bag. Um, let's see what the critics have to say. <clears throat> At once atrocious and awesome, featuring <laughs> musical performances so sublime, you instantly forgive that the rest is so ridiculous. Well, I mean, do you, yeah. I don't I really instantly forget. forget that it's not. There's nothing that memorable except the uncomfortable. You know, all the uncomfortable moments. Um. Well, let's let's maybe let's see if we can answer this like does the quality of the musical performances outweigh the negative of the non-musical performances no not for me it kind of made me feel like after the movies ended i kind of just felt bad yeah (laughs) like and i wanted and the musical performances were so good but it also made me see prince in like a different light too and i don't know yeah, it's so weird. Like it, it all it does is detract. Like mm-hmm. if you edited out all the stuff that happens in between the performances, you would have a decent like concert film, like a thirty-minute, uh, maybe longer concert film, mm-hmm. and that would be cool. But like if that's what you were gonna do, you obviously would have put more attention into just the performance parts. So you don't really get the best. You don't get the best of that world, and you get the worst of the the scripted world. So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's a net negative. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe the critics don't. Um, another review. Let's see. Walked away from this movie thinking, damn, I would have loved to see Prince in concert. And damn, mm. this movie is uncomfortably sexual and very misogynistic. Ah! Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's by me. That's me. I did that. Oh. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, no, so <laughs> I was just going to make a joke that it sounded like I, for a minute I thought you were just giving your own review yeah, <laughs> before you said the last part yeah before you even said the last part so good job good review that's thanks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what about uh all the research you did and in, in trivia you got anything that uh really caught your eye let's see so I, did you know that because you're talking about how it was released to the budget was only seven million so originally warner brothers thought it was going to be a dud so they only wanted to release it into 200 theaters and then the director and producer tipped off like three movie critics um, at a secret like San Diego screening to kind of get the word out. And mm. the critics loved it. And then they raved like all of their friends about it. And then it opened up to 900 screens. Yeah, it's so weird. Like you have this um, confluence of the album being one of the most successful, commercially successful albums and critically successful albums of all time still. And immediately, right out the gates, it was it was hugely popular. So mm-hmm. people should have had every reason to think to just throw the movie into theaters regardless of quality. But I can't argue with the Warner Brothers executives when they yeah. they <laughs> thought that it wasn't really, you know, didn't really add anything to the album. Um, and the fact that 
they showed it to critics and they are the reason that I I was curious was like, if this movie whole, had like a cult following or something. Like it did. A lot of people love this movie. Yeah. Um, but and the critics were from like Rolling Stone, like LA Times, Newsweek, like big publications. And I mean, I'm just really surprised that I'm gonna it. assume it was like they were champion prince as a yeah. as a performer. Like they I wanted agree. to be on the right side of um, you know as if it wasn't already obvious with the mute, the reviews that were probably coming out related to the album, but like they wanted to plant their flag and like Prince is a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this movie. We might as well watch it because it's more Prince. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. So they were right about the Prince part. Yeah. They were, they were right about the Prince part. It was a big deal. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty big deal. Um, so let's see what else uh, for the movie. There's supposed to be, <laughs> He, Prince submitted a hundred songs to be on this movie, and Purple Rain wasn't even in the top hundred. What? Say that again. He so so for this like for the movie, he was like, "Here are a hundred songs that I really like. We'll figure out like how to make them work in the movie." And then they selected from there. But Purple Rain wasn't even in the hundred until Rob Cavallo, like the producer, heard him do Purple Rain live, and he was like, "This should be in the movie." Oh, you mean the movie that's named after the album that's named right. after purple rain wasn't, wasn't in purple rain yeah it wasn't going to be called purple rain it had a different name originally <laughs> i this is what confuses me so much about this whole movie album simultaneous <laughs> near simultaneous release one month one yeah. month apart prince is a musician not a not a actor and Literally, not a yeah. um writer so he was mm-hmm. just making music i really want to know like when someone stepped in and was like, we're gonna make a movie loosely based on aspects of your life and weave in your music as if it's just like a performance. Because it's like, it just doesn't, maybe it just sounds like the album was awesome. And, (laughs) but like the movie wasn't even supposed to be specific to this album if there was a hundred songs submitted. Right. Yeah, so So, weird. Like, yeah, yeah. it's very strange. and then Apollonia, your favorite character, was supposed to be Prince's girlfriend at the time. What, what, what do you mean by supposed to be? That was how the studio planned it? Well, she was gonna, it was going to be played by her, but a month before filming, she was like, I have this Martin Scorsese movie I want to be in instead. Oh, you mean it, yeah. it was his girlfriend was going to play that character? Yeah. And it wouldn't have been called Apollonia because that's her real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her, when her name is Vanity, so... His girlfriend. His girlfriend's name. And then... It was also offered to someone else. Yeah, I was going to say... Well, you can't even guess. I guess Derek will have to guess. Um, let's see. I think He's not going to guess. He might guess. <laughs> She's um, even, she even appears in a song that we're going to play later. She appears in a song we're going to play. She's a dancing fanatic. Any guesses, Derek? For his dancing. girlfriend at the time? For, for his uh, girlfriend in the movie. For Apollonia's part. I have no clue. Jennifer Beals from Flashdance. Ah, okay. silence. Tur- <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. But she turned it down to go to Yale, which makes sense. Probably a good choice. A Scorsese film and Yale are two good reasons not to be in this film. Right. Yeah. So. Let's yeah. See. Well, the this must have been. I mean, sorry for all the. Um, for the hypothermia and mm-hmm. and um, horrible you know representation for apollonia but 
they toured she toured with her own band alongside him mm-hmm. and so it was her big break i guess yeah i would assume um anyway she had a couple things after this but nothing this is like the big like the peak really yeah so. and, and yeah because she was like a no-name um prince had seen her somewhere random mm-hmm. and 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 threw her name into the hat apparently <laughs> and into the lake perfect yeah any, you got anything else for us nope that's it cool well let's move on to our favorite segment rank the blank pew 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 So that was Let's Go Crazy by Prince. And this week's Rank the Blank is going to be best 80s movie soundtrack. Not a score, but a, for the most part, soundtrack compilations. But there will be some that are sort of like Purple Rain, where it's one performer performing the majority of the songs. But they are going to be lyrical and musical onstage performers versus uh, behind the stage, like classical composers so that's the distinction there purple rain obviously inspired this choice and our first option after purple rain is a pick from ashley so i'm gonna go with the labyrinth Mm. um, with david bowie and check it out baby said I love it. <laughs> I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna grill you more on if if you try to like I would say this is an interesting um option because it's also it's very similar to Purple Rain in the respect mm-hmm. that it's one performer. Um but I don't know if it has the level of hits of some of these other options that that have reached the even of Purple right. Rain that exist outside of the movie. Um, for instance, our next choice, Pretty in Pink. Um, we have like New Order, The Psychedelic Furs, Barry Manilow, and then um, this song, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Darks, If You Leave. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> we wanted more. Um, <laughs> this song, like, I mean, this uh, John Hughes movies are known for their soundtracks, and this is this is the type of compilation that I was envisioning um, when we thought of the topic. But that doesn't mean that uh, a single performer couldn't couldn't take down the collective force of eighty um, staples. So. <laughs> Our next option is a movie that's near and dear to Derek's heart. You want to introduce it, Derek? Back to the Future. Oh yeah. Is there music in that? Uh yeah, there's music in the, the film. <laughs> no music. The Power of Love, Huey Lewis, uh Mr. Sandman by the Shore Debts. Shore Debts, I think. 
Cordettes. Yeah, Cordettes. I don't really know that one, but Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. And this is one of the coolest parts of the first one. You don't film. know, Mr. Sandman. Oh, bring me some sand. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I need some sand in my hand. I don't know. <laughs> While I sleep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Chuck Berry, it's a major part of the first film, which is dope. Check it out. Riff and B, watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Now oh, you give your song more time. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yep. <laughs> One thing we haven't mentioned this whole time somehow is Prince's, I don't want to hijack uh, Chuck Berry and slash Michael J. Fox's uh, killer uh, riffing there, but you are, but it's okay. Prince, Prince shreds in this movie um, and his just like technical skill playing guitar in addition to the like more flamboyant parts of his, his performance is, is technically in, insanely impressive. Hen- Hendrix level, Chuck Berry level. Um, if I knew musicians, I could name some other <laughs> guitar players. But, That's it. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Back, Back to the Future, Derek, is a good choice because, like, that scene is uh, crucial to the plot of the movie. This is when Michael J. Fox is like performing and um, he's disappearing. If he doesn't play the song well enough, his parents won't hook up and he won't be born, so he'll disappear into thin air. Um, so basically he introduces, you know, rock and sexuality to his, his parents parents. at prom. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fun. Um, next we have Top Gun, a little Tom Cruise movie, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. Uh, it's got take my breath away, which plays during that steamy sex scene. Um, we have the volleyball scene playing with the boys uh, <laughs> by Kenny Loggins uh, on the dock by the on the dock of the bay, which everyone. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, I mean these are yeah, that's, that's, a good one. that's three bangers, and then we have another Kenny Loggins joint. That's this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I don't really even like that song. <laughs> Fair enough. Don't, don't like Let's not hold that against the, uh, the totality <laughs> of the song soundtrack. So next we have a vampire movie that we all know and love from the 80s, The Lost Boys. Derek, this was your choice, right? Yep, it definitely was. So this is People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunny Man. This film is really rad. Santa Cruz, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Corey Feldman, very yeah. popular in the 80s. But this is specific to the soundtrack, so check this out. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Sit back and relax. We'll listen to the entire song. <laughs> I think we got it. It's good. The thing I like about that song is that it gets the title out of the way in the first three seconds. <laughs> Very efficient. Um, 
The Lost Boys, uh, one caveat I'm going to add here is that about half of the soundtrack is pretty iconic, like scoring versus um, singles. So mm-hmm. that might be a, a slight knock against it, but the music is absolutely crucial to the experience and nothing is more 80s than Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, there's a whole slew of dancing movies. Um, Footloose. What was the other one that, that we were talking about? No, I for- Beetlejuice. Just kidding. No, I forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's another one. But then, of course, there's Flashdance. There's um, What a Feeling, which is the song that kind of caps off. Uh, I think plays a couple times throughout the movie. But there's also this killer dance montage with a lot of foot close-ups called Maniac. a little bit more than just the foot close-up yeah <laughs> just a little do you know any of the words anyone besides she's maniac. a maniac besides that <laughs> i can't understand any of the words but it's catchy that's uh that's the aforementioned jennifer beals dancing her heart out uh, from steel mill to dance floor um she's came a long way <laughs> lastly ashley um we have a movie that's jam-packed with music so much music spicoli anyone um so fast times at ridgemont high and i'll set the scene for the song um well obviously you have for the other uh, uh, artists on the soundtrack you have the go-go's billy squire led zeppelin sam the sham who does wooly bully american <laughs> girl tom petty and the heartbreakers like this is just like it just keeps going um but this song is that iconic dream sequence um by the cars hi brad <laughs> you know how cute I always thought you were. Sexy. Oh, I love the cars. Ooh. Derek, keep playing this a little bit longer. Oh yeah, trust me, I will. Yeah, so maybe a problematic scene slash movie, uh, some yeah. in a similar vein to the movie we just watched. So that's nice, a nice uh, tie-in. But nothing problematic about that music. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, the the car. I mean, yeah. If you're just going by the the list of names uh, on the soundtrack, that's going to be very close to the top of the list. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, what's this might come down to two things one does like the totality of uh, do we like variety do we like you know the range of different performers or do you just love david bowie and the labyrinth so much that you're gonna <laughs> go with that um i'm curious where you know what you're gonna base your decision on so i do love david bowie but i would say the performance of multiple is more mighty than just his performance okay in, so that one's probably out i mean honestly i think purple rain musically definitely surpasses the labyrinth no yeah i agree i just think that it's the labyrinth is a more well done movie overall with a main musician who can act but yeah i agree uh purple rain does beat the labyrinth out for sure and i guess we should we should sort of qualify this as like 
you just went to the record store and bought the cassette and you're driving around. Well, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to steer you with the <laughs> car puns, um, uh. but let's just say you're driving around or scootering around listening to the soundtrack. You're not watching the movie. So the movie doesn't matter. This is the stuff on, on the cassette tape. So mm-hmm. Labyrinth is out. Honestly, Purple Rain might not be out, um, but I, I, I'm leaning towards variety as well. Um, yep. To my tastes, it's probably pretty in pink. Um, it would probably be like a John Hughes mashup of all mm-hmm. his 80s movies and, and, and making a mixtape of the best ones. Um, I love, I didn't mention the New Order song, Ella Gia, earlier. Um, that's used in Stranger Things season two. Um, it's just like this dark, mostly instrumental song. Uh, very lot strong horror vibes. So I'm gonna nominate Pretty in Pink. Uh, Derek, you have a nominee. A nominee based on that criteria. Yeah, I mean, the variety in Fast Times at Ridgemont High really gets me, especially the Led Zeppelin and Tom Petty mm-hmm. songs, because yeah. I love both of those. Uh, both of those bands but while i was you know scootering around the city listening to purple rain i've got to go with purple rain curveball honestly wow that's it's a it's so long let me i had it up earlier um it's got 20 no it has 30 songs on the version i'm looking at (laughs) so you might it has 35 songs you can scooter you can scooter around the whole universe yeah you might need multiple cassettes for that um (laughs) seems like i guess apparently they didn't whittle down his 100 choices as much as we thought from the movie that's not that's one way to kind of highlight as many negative things as we said about this movie and we're not excusing any of the characters behavior Mm-hmm. The music stands on its on its own, and that that's the best way to experience it. If you have to choose between movie or just <laughs> listening to the album, um, so Ashley, I'm I'm not gonna choose either of yours, so <laughs> we're not gonna have a link. So we're but, gonna do a stalemate. Um, I'm choosing Fast Times. Yeah, I think if you want pure variety, I mean, the only reason I wouldn't. I wouldn't, couldn't be swayed in that direction. I could be swayed, but I don't love Tom Petty or Led Zeppelin um, or Wooly Bully. Um, super oh, I cheesy. love that song. Mom would call it bubblegum, bubblegum songs. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not my style. Yeah. Um, where did we get any uh, feedback from the Instagram poll? So they're all over the place, but the only one from the 80s that's on our list mm-hmm. was Top Gun. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So doesn't really help. Um, but we had, they're all over the place. So it was like, call me by your name, secret life of Walter Mitty, which I've never seen. What? I guess it's good. Um, Mulan, Hercules, waiting to exhale, love and basketball. Nice. Hi to Forrest Gump, guardians of the galaxy. Like just like all over the place. Uh, guardians of the galaxy is a good one. Cause it's kind of known for it's, uh, uh, I mean, it uses a mixtape in the in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Diegetic yeah. music, I, I think so, it's called. So yeah, so I'll add Top Gun to that as an '80s. But I'm I don't know. Are we gonna go with Purple Rain? Because I don't really want to go with Purple Rain. But well, okay. I'm, so I think that I think it's it's obvious. Like if Derek is leaning closer to to Fast Times than Pretty in Pink, then it's it's Fast Times. Yes. 
if we're talking about soundtracks, yeah. Purple Rain's an album in itself. Mm-hmm. It's the only redeeming quality of the film, but still, it doesn't need the film. The no. film doesn't accentuate it. No. It's the opposite, as we've <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so Fast Times Ridgemont High didn't need the, the soundtrack, but it definitely made it awesome. So yeah. mm-hmm. I will officially say Fast Times. And agree with All me right. again. Perfect. Yeah. Ashley's winner comes out with the top ranked choice again. Woo. Um, let's wrap this puppy up with some awards talk. Did this win any Saturn awards or for this movie, it might've been mainstream enough to cross over into the other award. Categories. It crossed over. Um, so it won an Academy award for best original song score. Just pretty cool. Yeah. Best original, like that's the main award, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, it, no, it's the it's just the score. It's not the best original song. Okay, it's the whole compilation, and then it beat out the Muppets Take Manhattan soundtrack. So. <laughs> wow, stiff competition. I know. Which uh, came out recent uh, around the same time. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Prince won an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actor in a Motion Picture, which not true, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I would really like to know more about the reception of this movie and like times have changed and Mm -hmm. the portrayal of uh, women in the movie was, um, again, this isn't an excuse, but people were way more accepting and used to it at the time that it came out. I guarantee that um, uh, the majority, if not, you know, close to a majority of the audience just didn't even really like bat an eye at, at some of that stuff. I mean, it's not supposed to be, again, it's not supposed to be glamorized. It's it's supposed to be like bad qualities that he has. It's just the conclusion that is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the conclusion that <laughs> he's still <laughs> rewarded despite yeah. having all those so terrible like, qualities. I kind of like you and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's cringy, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe less so at the time. So, yeah, I mean, until I know more about uh, Prince's real life, I'm gonna say all the all the accolades that he as an individual uh, for his music has gotten are are deserved. Yep, completely agree. Um, any Ashley awards? Uh, well, I was just gonna say the least sexy sex scene <laughs> award. I was so uncomfortable. I was like, is it? Is it over? Is it over? I just felt awful. So yeah, what was, it gets. Y- yeah, you 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 highlighted earlier how he kind of like um, there's a couple of really awkward scenes where they're about to kiss, um, and she uh, says no or pushes him away, and they both sort of say no before this sex scene. Yeah, and they it's have not. S- yeah, well, but it's not forceful. Like, I mean, it the. Uh, this isn't a defense of it. It's cringy yeah. for different reasons than the fact that it's non-consensual. It is consensual, but it's just cringy. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be like really romantic and sweet, um, but it's just you can't. T- there's no chemistry between them. It's just very uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's my word. Cool. Well, um, for my favorite prop of the movie, I'm gonna say the white guitar. Um, it's what he's playing at the end of the the movie it's um unfortunately used right before the the one of the most uh, difficult to watch scenes in the movie when he when he hits her um but as just a prop 
<laughs> in a <laughs> use in an actual instrument. Uh, pretty cool. So mm-hmm. uh, let's get to our very clearly defined question of how <laughs> 80s is this 1984 release on a scale of one to 84? Factoring in music, outfits, hair, actors, lighting, you name it. Ashley. 68. Okay. <laughs> Snap judgment. I mean. Well, because so music, obviously, the actors weren't well known at yeah. all. And then, but the out- outfits were incredible. You could tell it took place in the 80s. But I wouldn't say it reaches like the 70s to 80s, but it would definitely be in like the upper 60s. So not completely yeah. a snap judgment. I thought about it. Yeah. I, 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 once again, like this is, this is confusing because this movie could only really exist as it, as it stands in the 80s. I mean, if, as like a um, time capsule piece of the 80s, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty good representation. The music is iconic and like kind of like we were saying when people think of 80s movies they think of john hughes movies well if you think of 80s music prince would be on the the short list of things that come to mind and these songs in particular so i mean i'm gonna have to go in the 70s at least um doesn't mean it's my favorite 80s movie but i and you know like you said the the visuals of it um one thing that we didn't mention at all is that this is filmed all in uh, Minneapolis, which is where Prince is from, right? Yep. Lake Minnetonka yeah, is what he referred to when he threw her in the, or when she jumped in the lake. Yeah. That's not like a, um, iconic, uh, 80s <laughs> location or movie location in general, but kind of interesting that they used, um, his, his hometown for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say 70. What's your score, Derek? So hair five. <laughs> five? Out- uh, just bear with okay. me here. Outfits ten, neon ten. So we're at twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Music thirty-five. So that brings us mm. up to 60. seventy. Sixty. Math police here. Sixty. Twenty-five sixty. I even have this written down as sixty. I already. <laughs> I don't know why I said seventy. <laughs> yeah, you said fifty. <laughs> no, you <Jesus>. said seventy. <laughs> So anyway. 70 for me. So if if we're doing an average. Wait, where did the 10 come in? How are we doing an average? You just added them. Oh, we're doing an average of our scores. Yeah. That's a good idea. Where did you, what was your total? I can do the average. Uh, 68, 70, and 60. Yeah. Okay. So the average is 66. Cool. Cool. Sounds about right. Okay. Well, it does not crack our top five. Um, we got Ghostbusters, 16 Candles, and Karate Kid leading the way at the moment um, in terms of the most 80s movies of the of 84 releases thus far. Last question of the day, second to last. Do you recommend a first-time watch, a rewatch, or something else? I recommend no watching. Yeah. Only... I would recommend if you could cut out just the scenes where he performs or there's performances and you just watch those, definitely, I would rewatch that today, but yeah. not the whole movie. I bet someone's done that. Yeah. Do you know anything about the sequel, Graffiti Bridge? Sure don't. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? He, no. He, he, I just know that they, they did make a sequel to this. Um, and Prince was in other movies after this. So maybe his, as we know from the tagline, this was his first film. He had nowhere to mm-hmm. go. 
put up from here. Yep. Um, although this is the most popular one, so <laughs> maybe uh. he went sideways somehow. Um, yeah, since it was a first time watch for all of us, Derek, did you answer that earlier? Yeah, I did. And I, I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So we can't recommend a rewatch. Um, we can recommend that we're not going to rewatch it anytime soon. Um, I would say, yeah, skip it. Watch. Um, His performance somewhere. You don't, I mean, I would be surprised if these performances from the movie were even some of the better, like, you know, performance uh, rabbit holes that you could go down on, on YouTube or any other number of places. Like, the whole reason to package it in this movie form is that the little interludes you get in between performances are supposed to add extra context and they mm-hmm. just don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, skip it. Um, I have a feeling that this will not be making it into our wax museum or no. Yeah. I'm okay. saying skip it like I did and just listen to the album while you're cruising around town on your time traveling scooter. Is your hand okay? Uh, it's wrapped up now. Uh, it stings a little bit, but yeah, uh, mm. I will never touch an Olympic torch again. It's hot as yeah, I, I think we'll you're see. banned permanently from Olympic yeah. ceremonies in general, if I remember the uh, <laughs> the officer correctly. The yelling. Um, yeah. <laughs> so next week we have a movie that's surely not to be problematic or dated whatsoever. <laughs> A comedy that features a bunch of dudes acting in hilarious, raunchy ways. Hijinks. <laughs> Let's hear it. One of the funniest films of the year. I laughed my head off. Sneak previews. It's gratifying, raunchy, and uproarious. The nerds triumph. Los Angeles Times. It's really, really funny. I was rolling on the floor, as did all the other members of the audience. KHJTV, Los Angeles. And USA Today says this is great stuff. Three cheers for nerds. I drink through that. Revenge of the Nerds. Rated R. Check newspapers for theaters. How excited are y'all for Revenge of the Nerds? Uh, more excited than I was for Purple Rain. And I've seen it before, so there's that. I I didn't expect to love Purple Rain, but I was excited for it. I'm excited for this too. I mean, mm-hmm. broad comedy is not usually my favorite, but I'm gonna go in with an open mind and expect to, uh, well, and hope to be blown away like never ending story style. Derek, you know this movie, right? Yeah, I do. You can save it for next week. <laughs> Shut up, Derek. <laughs> so if you want to hear that discussion next week subscribe to the podcast by searching new release 1984 on spotify or apple or anywhere else that you get podcast that's our app slow jams on the way out